0: Amen. Thank you so much. Last verse or last sentence in the book of Psalms says this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I like that. That tells me that the only reason he put breath in anything so it could praise him and give him thanks for it. I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 81. Psalm chapter 81. We're going to have fun tonight and we're going to help folks tonight. Jesus help us tonight. <clears throat> righty, Psalm 81. Tonight we're going to talk about less stress in the middle of your mess. (laughs) Has anybody noticed any stress in the land last year or two that's creating a problem? Don't raise your hand because then you'd be stressed about folks thinking you're stressed. Some of you deal with stress. Guess why there's so much stress in the land right now? I got got real tickled folks saying, hope 21 is better than 20. What if it ain't? Hope Jesus is bigger than both of them. Let me, just, let me just go ahead and bless you and encourage the fire out of you. I don't know whether it's going to be better or not. I, I do know what the Bible says, and the Bible's very clear in 2 Timothy 3.1 where it said this, know this. If my Jesus tells me to know this, I need to know this, that in the latter days, stressful times will come. Guess what's coming? I told you I'd get you excited. There was, we're going to live in an earth that is very stressful until today we see Jesus face to face. Matter of fact, I... I think it's in the Bible somewhere about the fat lady warming up. I mean, Gabriel fix and blow his trumpet, whatever it is. Listen, we're headed down the track toward Jesus coming back. It's going to be so wonderful. But till he gets back, it could be a little rough. Hang on. So we're going to talk about less stress in the middle of your mess. This, is, this I love the Word of God here. And uh, I just want you to listen to it tonight and let Jesus talk to you and help you. Help you with some things. He cares about his children. Sometime back, one of my daughters was going through a stressful situation. It, didn't, it wasn't her doing. It was put on her like a lot of our junk is. Of course, some of it we bring on our own. Never mind. And uh, that bothered me. And I hate to see my children bothered and stressed. And I wanted to do my best to help her get out of it. And I'm going to tell you your heavenly father is the same way. He didn't create you to live broke down, worried, and upset. He created you to have abundant life. And, to, and this is the day the Lord has made to suck eggs and waller in it. No, to rejoice and be glad in it. And that verse is still in effect. And I love Psalm 81. There's one verse in here we're going to look at. It's just, it's a wonderful verse. In verse six of Psalm 81, the Bible says this, I removed his shoulder from the burden and his hands were freed from the basket. This is where God says that, by the way, the word, it, we don't use it anymore. We don't use the word burden anymore. In our culture, our word is stress. I removed his shoulder from the stress. And I took the baskets out of his hands and took the, I took the load off my son's life. It's exactly what he's talking about. This is a wonderful promise that the Lord gives us. And uh, let me tell you what stress is. And it all comes under the category, stress, worry, anxiety, moves into fear. It's a life sucker. It's a life sucker. It sucks the life out of people. Dear ones, uh, the Bible said the thief comes to steal. And Jesus came to give abundant life. He uses stress and worry and anxiety and junk to steal the wonderful life Jesus came to give us. And man, as he mastered it these days. He's just really wearing it out today. Is it possible? You say, Brother Martin, you nobody can live like that in these days. Would you just listen to me? Has my Heavenly Father offered me a stress-free life? I'm talking about before I get to heaven. I'm not talking about just a few more egg-sucking weary days and then. I'm talking about a few more stress-free wonderful days and then I'm going to fly away and it's going to be upgrade. I want you to turn with me. I want you to always remember the one I'm fixing to show you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I just want you to listen. Dear ones, the Bible is God talking to you. And and the problem is not that he can't do stuff. The the issue is always our ability to believe what he says. And to have faith in what he says. Now, let me tell you what I've learned to do in my old age. Well, I'll just tell him, even if I, can't, I don't have enough faith for it right now, I see where you said it, and I want it, Lord Jesus. Even if something blows us away, we need to say like the Father in Mark 9, say, I do believe. Now, help me where I don't believe. Help my unbelief. And I want to show you one of the greatest promises Jesus made. This is, now, by the way, this is only to believers. So I'm not a believer. Well, get on a train, Doc. Hurry. Fix and leave the station. This is for believers. Jesus said in Matthew 20, excuse me, Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden. How many of you use the word heavy laden a lot? It, it's our Greek word would be our word. Stressed out, burned out, worn out, frazzled out, heavy laden. Same thing. Come to me if you're stressed. I will give you restoration. I love Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. Come walk with me. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm not going to beat you up. You will find healing. Restoration doesn't mean take a nap. Restoration means healing. You'll find healing for your soul. I don't wear it out. Now you've got to deal with verse 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Did Jesus just promise me a rested, restored soul and an easy life and yoke? Yes, I don't understand it, but you don't have to understand it. Do you just see it? Well, I read this one day and I said, something wrong, Mabel. I was a Christian. I loved Jesus with all my heart. knew the Bible. I said, something wrong because I'm not rested. I'm wore out and I'm struggling. But I, re- I saw it in here and I said, Jesus, wouldn't tell me no lie. And if it's in here, you show me how and I'll dive right in the middle of the pool. All right. I just wanted to see that he does give that off. Now, let me tell you something. With the, with the things we're facing today, there's only two options, dear one, only two options. Uh, you got to either get rid of what you think the problem is or you got got to get rid of the stress and the worry. For instance, if your kids are stressing you, you got to either get rid of the kids or you got to get rid of the stress. What are you going to do? <laughs> if your job is wearing you out, you got to either get rid of the job or get rid of the wear out. If, if your mama, well, we better not go there. You can't do but one or two things with stress. You either got to get rid of what you think the cause is or get rid of what it's causing. Now, I want you to listen to what the Bible teaches. There's only two options. And uh, the Bible does not, I want you to listen to this. I'm going to quote it again. Psalm 81, six. It does not say he removed the burden from my shoulder. He removed my shoulder from the burden. He didn't take the junk out of my life. He took the stress off of me and the junk is still there. My goodness. See, that you know why this is good news? Because you know good and well your mom-in-law wasn't moving out. <laughs> Jesus is going to have to move in. Instead of you getting a new job, what you need is more grace. Instead of a husband's got some sin. Well, you can forget that. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. Here's a great revelation. It's not what's happening in your life that's causing stress. Turn to Mark chapter 4. I only got two amens out of that. Now, this is just great news right here. How many of you believe that two people can be in the same exact circumstance? One's not the least bit bothered by it. The other one's to all to pieces. Which any, any scientist will tell you, that's a cumulative experiment. And it'll tell you it can't be the circumstances. That's not what's causing the problem. What's going on around us is not what's causing the problem. I want you to see this wonderful passage. He puts so much of this in the Bible. He has got to care about his children. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says this. On the same day evening came, Jesus said to his disciples of the boys, let's cross over to the other side. They left the multitude. They took him in a boat and other little boats with him. And a great storm arose and the waves were beaten in the boat. Now listen, this was a literal storm, literal wind, rain, storm. But you know good and well, this is in the Bible to talk to me and you about the things that happen in our lives that create stress and problems. These could be the storms of life, financial, relational, religion, whatever. And in this storm, I want you to watch something. He was in the stern asleep. Dead asleep, snoring. Hebrew says snoring. And uh, they came to him and said, "Teacher, do you not care that we are dying? We dying. You got 13 people in the same exact circumstance. 12 of them is spazzing out and dying. Would you say they stressed? When you're screaming about dying, you stressed. And the other one's dead asleep. What's he saying right here? The circumstances ain't got nothing to do with it." There's something inside here. It's got something. And he's going to clarify this. You say, well, nobody could be at peace in that storm. Read it again. The man is dead asleep. The was Jesus. Well, who lives inside of you? This is, by the way, this is good news. And, and to clarify what I just said and what his word is saying, verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind, said to the sea. I, I've heard preachers say this. He, stood, he said, peace be still. That religious spirit's killing our churches. You don't talk to storms like that. He said, not nah, get off. Peace. seal yourself down. He, the Bible said he rebuked it. That means he talked ugly to it. And you talk about something funny. These guys are done. Now remember, show them some mercy. Show them some mercy. They don't know him that well yet. They just started running around with him. I mean, they saw him do a few things and there's something in them, but he hadn't even told them he's the Messiah yet. And they're just running around with this guy, and he's doing some wonderful things. And they're attracted to him at heart level, can't understand it. And all of a sudden, they get in a storm. He wipes the sleep out of his bed, and he says, shut up. And, and they're thinking, who have we got involved with here? The matter of fact, they settle a bit later, he talks to the weather, and he listens to him. Now they're starting to figure out, this is more than your average country preacher coming through town here. What's the point? What's the point? Look, let's read it again. Verse 39. He rose and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, peace be still. And there was a great calm. Here's the message. All God would have to do is speak one word and all the mess in your life would straighten out just like that. All he'd have to do is just do like that right there. Every problem on this planet would be fixed. Matter of fact, you read the book of Revelation, there's going to come a day when he's going to do just that. He's going to say, He's going to pull out his watch and say, time's up. And Bill Gaither wrote a great song about it. The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the street. All the builder's tools are silent. No more time to harvest. I mean, he's going to bring this thing to a halt one day. Well, if God is so big and he's so good, how come he don't make my husband act like he's got some sense? Maybe his goal is not to fix everything around me just like I like it. I got one amen out of that. Come on, y'all. The the whole Bible teaches that. Maybe his goal is not to make politics like I want him to be. I wish he had a goal in some of that stuff. (laughs) Don't you see right here? He could speak and straighten your mess out. All he'd have to do is just go, boo. But look at this. Uh, He said to them, why are you so fearful, stressed, upset? Why are you in this mess? How is it that you have no faith? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what he just told me? You don't need to change your circumstances. You need to let me grow your faith. You know, it's more fun than the storm stopping and Jesus making everybody behave around me. Me standing right in the middle of it, not being the least bit affected. That's more fun right there. And guess where he's wanting to take us to? Ray Charles could pick this up in the middle of the night with no lights on and the power out like it's going to be in the morning. I'm telling you, dear ones, what is the message of Jesus right here? I ain't making it easy for you. I'm going to make you so powerful that you can stand right in the middle of it and sing Daisy Doolittle. Can you not see He said, boys, he said, I could have stopped this earlier. What I really wanted to do was teach you how to live through this stuff and sleep through it. His answer is faith rather than changing circumstance. Let me tell you about Mark chapter 4 and other places in the Bible. This is a wonderful promise. This is a great promise from the Father. Now I may be in the middle of it and suffering and upset and worried, and I say, Well, I don't know how. All I need to do is see that He promised it. He'll get me there. He'll show me how to do it. He'll get me right in the middle of it. There is, there is a, there is a place of stress free. Uh Guess what one of the reasons, purposes of this book is? This book will show you how to get into heaven. It'll show you how to raise children. This book will show you a lot of things. Let me tell you one of the great things this book will do. Jesus said in John chapter 8, He who abides in my word will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. From what? Not the Methodist. What will it make you free from? It'll make you free from everything your enemy puts on you. And that includes worry, fear, stress, anxiety, junk, shame, pain, misery, free. I want to make an announcement. Jesus is all about freedom. And he whom the sun sets free, sleeps through the storms. Oh, it's a wonderful place to be. Wonderful place to be used said now. now. Now, you've got this all figured out yet. I'm getting better all the time. I don't think anybody masters it in a day. Because my mama and my grandma, they was world champion warriors and they tried to pass it on to me. (laughs) And I'll find myself once in a while slip back and I'll say, now now you're doing it again. Then i remember he has given you the tool to live free. Pull it out, son. Let's get with it here. All right. Let me, uh, I just want you to look, turn turn with me to one more. Turn to Philippians chapter four. You know I'm lying when I say one more. Philippians chapter four. I met another one. Philippians chapter 4. Now here's another promise. This is a wonderful promise that you and I can just lay hold of. While we're looking, I just want to pause and just, let's just take a moment. Let's just, memory and, and imagination, they work both two different ways. Imagination is one of the greatest things God ever created. Every great thing on this earth came out of the human imagination through the grace of God. And he gave us imagination to look and see things out in the future. Now, Satan has perverted imagination and human flesh has, but God gave us imagination. Uh, I want you to take for just a moment, let's use your imagination for your life personally. I want you to imagine for just a minute, if you never had another carry world word worry the rest of your life, what would it be like? Answer is good. I mean, just imagine. Just imagine you had no responsibilities weighing on you. Now, you can have responsibilities that not weigh on you. You had no burdens. You had no concerns. You had no worries. You had no cares. Wouldn't that not be a good life? Any way you cut it. So that's better than a new truck. Any way you cut it to be set free is a wonderful life. Philippians chapter 4 is a wonderful passage. Verse 4. I'm going to throw in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord when the sun is shining and everything's going hunky-dory. There's a reason always is in there. Verse 6. Be worried for nothing. Now, He is a cruel God. If He commands me to do that, but don't show me how to do it and help me get there. When I read those words years ago, be worried for nothing, I just said, don't make sense where I live. I don't see how it can happen, but you don't lie and I bet you a dollar you're going to get me there. And I lost the bet. He got me there. Dear ones, my father's just told me right there, there's a place where you can worry for nothing. There's a place where the... Do you understand? I'm not going to get bore you with the statistics of what anxiety and stress are doing in our nation. Billions of dollars... Just in medication, stress-related so people can sleep and function. I'm telling you, Satan is breaking this nation's back with anxiety, worry, stress, and pressure. It is not from heaven. One of the great things Jesus said in his word, he said, let not your heart be weighted down when you see crazy times come. He doesn't want you heavy-hearted. What's the opposite of heart weighted down or heavy-hearted? Light-hearted. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. How can you celebrate all the time if you're toting a train on top of you? This is one of the great gifts of God that came through the cross. And the Philippians 4 is one of those great... Let's read a little more. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, give it to him, verse 7, and the peace of God, which makes no sense whatsoever, will be on you. God, verse 7 was happening in my life. Where I'm in, that, I'm in that same storm with everybody else in that boat and I'm just sleeping through the whole thing. You know what that's called? That's the you, know what it's called? you know what it says? It passes understanding. Nobody can understand how come you're not bothered. You can't understand how come you're not bothered. I mean, that, this is better than... It. When you get... Today we're in stress, you either go and turn to Jesus or Jack. Now Jack can take the stress away. Acts spiritual. You know what I'm talking about i talking about Jack Daniels, not Jesus Christ, Jack Daniels. You can turn to Jack. He'll take the stress away, but there's side effects. There's side effects. Got to go home sometime. <laughs> you ever wondered in the Bible, why don't you forget Jack? Go with Jesus. Jesus trumps Jack every time. Uh, you ever wonder why the Bible said choose Jesus over Jack? You know it did say that, don't you? I'm just going to quote it to you. Don't bother looking. Ephesians 5. Look it up if you don't believe me. Ephesians 5 says this. Don't be drunk with wine. You don't need it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What did he say right there? Don't choose Jack, choose Jesus. Why would he compare Jesus to Jack right there? Did he not just compare the Holy Spirit to wine right there? Tell me what wine does for you. Oh, there should be several people speak up right now. (laughs) What does alcohol do for a person? I was a bartender when I was young. Back years ago when you could bartend, even before you was old enough to drink, I was a bartender in Charlotte. And I'd see the, it was sort of uppity deal. These businessmen come in, got their top coats on. They looked like the weight of the world was on them, and it was. And they'd come in there, suits, top coats on. They'd sat down at the bar, and, you know, they'd order their thing. They'd sit there drinking, and a miracle happened. After about three Jack and Cokes or whatever, all of a sudden they were sitting up straight. They were smiling. They were laughing. And after about eight, they were singing Margaritaville. <laughs> Jack worked a miracle for them poor boys. You know what he did? You know what he did? He took the burden away. He did. You see, you should be promoting that. Oh, they had to, hell pay, had to pay hell when they got home. Don't worry about that. But, but you know what the deal is? It didn't last. It was expensive. Next day, he had to start all over again. Why does the Bible compare the Holy Spirit to wine? Has the same effect. What does wine do? It lifts the burden away, brings you joy... You, quit, you forget to worry. You ain't got no problems. What's the Holy Spirit supposed to do? Lifts the burden, brings you joy, takes your problems away from you. That's why he said, you don't need this, you need this. Listen, Jesus ain't fussing. He's saying, I got something better. Don't you remember that Jesus makes better wine than anybody else? Y'all don't remember that. John chapter... Now it's not. if you're Baptist, it's not in your Bible. John chapter 2... They ran out of wine. Jesus made wine. And what did the guy say? This is the best guy. We ain't never seen nothing this good. Jesus makes superior wine. 900 bottles he made in that one setting. You're supposed to have a license for that. (laughs) What's the point here? Verse 7 of Philippians 4. There is a peace that just passes understanding. And it'll be on your heart and on your mind in Jesus. And it'll just guard you. And you can just enjoy your life and have the best time, and you don't have to wait till the mess is over before you can relax. Just enjoy yourself. Just this is a wonderful, wonderful passage here. Let me tell you something. Philippians chapter four is one of the greatest promises your father ever gave you. It'll get you there. The demons are going to heaven. Everybody that believes is going to go to heaven one day. They ain't a sense crawling through hell till you get there. How about heaven on the way to heaven? Now, it's not going to be as good here as it is there, but it ought to be better than it is. Can I get a witness if this word's true? All right, let, let's do this. Let me take a minute and uh, let me give you a Bible pathway to living free when it comes to stress. I want to, I want to give you some things from Scripture, and uh, as my doctor said to me, son, that medicine ain't worth nothing if you don't eat it. I'm mean, having to you know that knowing the truth and eating it's two different things. So I want you to do something. I'm going to give you some things to practice. Number one. If you're going to find real freedom in this area, you've got to believe Jesus tells the truth. He said, Brother Brian, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, really? Then as that man told me, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither. Let it be afraid. In the world you will have trouble. Cheer up, boy, I I have overcome the world. That man tells the truth. When he told me I was going to have trouble in the world, he told the truth there, didn't he? What did he say? My peace I give you. Not like this world. What's the world's peace? When the sun's shining and the money's coming in and mama's behaving, let's all celebrate. That's the world's peace. He said, mine's not like this. All hell can be breaking loose and you can go sleep right in the middle of it. That's my peace. He said, he gave it to me. He tells the truth. You see it in his word. Now listen to me. Listen to me. He lived it. Did you ever see one of the disciples run into town and get Jesus some medication because he's nervous? (laughs) Yeah or nay? I dare you to find any... He he made people nervous. Especially preachers when he showed up. You don't ever see Jesus upset one time, do you? Angry, yes. Not nervous. Not upset. not That man lived a worry-free life. He lived it and then he gave it to you. He said, my peace... I'm going to give this to you. So I want you to do this. Number one, I want you to believe Jesus tells the truth and his offerings to you. Now, <clears throat> all right, here's where we, let's get down and do surgery. You ready for surgery? You ever heard of Jesus is Lord? Okay, got two heard that. <laughs> you will never live stress-free until you accept this truth from God's word. I am not responsible for anything on this planet except loving Jesus and obeying Jesus after I've made him the Lord of my life. I'm not responsible for anything on this planet except loving Jesus and obeying Him after I put Him first. That's it. Folks, I've had folks say to me, I'm, I'm praying for you. I have no idea what you're going through. And I think, I ain't going through nothing. So, you know, that big church, that big church don't even know where I live. Listen, I ain't going to be bothered over this thing. Why would I be bothered about His church? thought mine. You will see something? Well, this, you think the Bible's so cute if we just read the details. A guy named Moses was leading two million whiny Israelites. (laughs) Did you ever notice all through that book of Exodus, all them chapters, every time he and the Father spoke together, you ever notice notice this? When they were doing good, Moses talked about my people, I'm leading my people. You ever notice when they was cutting up, he talked to them about your people. (laughs) You go read it sometime. Every time they did something stupid, they was his people. (laughs) When they was behaving, Moses called them my people. Why don't you just go ahead and give him everything. Else? Just as yours anyway. I want to show you one of the greatest hidden truths in scripture. John chapter 21 to Simon and to you and me. Last thing Jesus said before he stepped off the planet. You receive this right here. It'll take a load off you. Mama and everybody. John chapter 21. Jesus was crucified, but the grave couldn't hold him down. So far, so good. Only religious leader that's ever come out of the grave. I believe I'll stick with him. Came out of the grave and and he restored, you know, Simon messed up. It's okay to mess up. He's always wanting to fix you. And remember Jesus made him on the seashore and he restored him. And he said, now go back and tend my sheep. I'll put you back in business again. And he's fixing to step off the planet. And right before he leaves, he gives some really final instructions. And then he teaches me one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in John chapter 21. He's just restored Simon. He says to him in verse 18, John 21, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and you walked where you wanted to. But when you get old, stretch out your hands. Somebody else is going to dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Thank you, Jesus. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And then he said, you just follow me. So he tells him some things are going to happen in his life. He said, you know, it's been good up to now. It's going to get rough, but you just follow me. I want you to watch something here. A lot of people don't catch this. This is wonderful. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. What did he do? They're sitting here, and, and so Simon's got his instructions from God. This is what I want you to do. So Simon looks over and he sees this uh, John, his name's John, uh, following, who leaned on his breast at supper, and he said, Lord, whose <clears throat> one betrays you? Peter seeing him, verse 21, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man right here? You got? How many of you are good at that? How many of you, you Jesus doesn't told you what to do, but you want to you talk to him about what everybody else is supposed to be doing. And you're concerned about everybody else's mess going on. And got he talks to Simon, Simon, so I got it. And he, say, he says, well, what about what he's doing? What, what do you got going on in his life? And uh, I'm going to take a time out and I'm going to show you something wonderful. I want you to get like this. Who's writing this book? This, this, this is the book of John. John's writing it. Who's he speaking of here? I want you to look at what he says. Verse 20, then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why didn't he just say me? Why didn't he say John? How did this man describe him? Why is he writing in the third person? Why did he describe himself like this? Look back up in verse 7. This is when they're still in the boat. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's him. Why can't he just say, I said to him. Look back a few verses in uh, verse Chapter, two, chapter 20, verse 2. Look back there. Chapter 20, verse 2. Or verse 1. Mary Magdalene, first day of the week, found the tomb empty. She, the stone rolled away. Verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Why can't man not use his name? Why can't he just say me? That man has been around Jesus. And if you ever get around Jesus, you will be so obsessed with how much he loves you. That that's all you can talk about. I don't, I don't do this. I go in some place. I met some folks last night and the fella said, I'm so-and-so. And I said, I'm the man that Jesus loves so much. That's how he talked about himself all the time. Guess why? He was at, he'd was that. he been around Jesus that much. And Jesus' burning passionate love for him was all he could think about. I don't think he tried to say, I don't think he's being religious. I'm the man who, no. No means no. He, he was just so obsessed with how much Jesus loved him. He said it every time. I want you to get there. I want you to get to the place where the Holy Spirit of God makes Jesus' love so sweet to you that you just call your mama-in-law up and say, Jesus loves me. I'm trying to love you. Whatever you got to do. I just throw that in for free. He's obsessed. All right, let's, let's get back to what we're saying here. Jesus gives Simon specific instructions for his life because he's his Lord. He said, I'm, you're my Lord. Simon says, all right, wh- what about him? What about this guy right here? Watch this. And then he said to him, verse 21, Simon Peter said, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he reign, remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let me put that in language you can understand. What other people are doing on this earth ain't none of your business. You just do what I told you to do. See why my church is no burden to me. What y'all doing ain't none of my business. Ain't none of my business except to do what Jesus tells. He said, look, you, you just follow me. Let me tell you where most stress comes from. You trying to be God. When somebody says, Brother Brian, my children, you ain't God. Stress comes from trying to be God in their lives. I'm helping you tonight. You may not recognize it. I'm helping you tonight. You know what the only thing I'm responsible for doing is? What Jesus tells me to do. All I got to do is love him and obey him. And uh, this would just take a load off everybody. What do you think it means, follow me? Did Jesus walk up to Simon and say, go fix the world? He said, you just follow me. What do you think it means, take my yoke? Walk with me. He said, my yoke's easy. Let me make an announcement. If it ain't easy, you're outside your yoke. We didn't. We didn't got into something we don't need to be in over there. We were in trouble out there how many of you have ever wasted time trying to figure things out that you couldn't? I'm going to give you something. Psalm 131. A little short, and you need to memorize this. Now, let me warn you. If you get free and you become like Jesus and you quit worrying about stuff you ain't supposed to worry about, religious people are going to get mad at you because they think it's spiritual to worry. It ain't. If Jesus says it's not, it's not. You know, the hardest it, it takes about a day and a half when somebody gets saved to get them out of drug addiction, cocaine, and mess. It takes 30 years to knock the religious boogers off of them. Can I get a witness? All right, this is written by King David. How many of you think King David was a smart man? Greatest, greatest king that ever ruled. He was a smart man. Watch what he said in Psalm 131. My heart is not haughty or proud, and my eyes are not cocky. I do not concern myself with matters too great for me, nor with things too profound for me. Can you say that? I'm not going to sit here and worry about stuff I can't figure out. If it's over my head, I ain't going to think about it. So what are you going to do? That's coming. Just sit tight. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mama. My soul is like a weaned child resting on God's breast. Oh, Israel... Just trust God and quit worrying about it. I told you, I think I've told you this before. Our babies were little. I'd come in at night. Mom would be in a rocking chair. They'd be dead asleep. Got their head on her chest. Got the little beak open. slobber running down. And I thought to myself, I bet they're worried about how we're going to make the house payment this month. (laughs) Did you know why they weren't worried about how we're going to make the house payment this month? They didn't even know they had one. Guess what? That was all their daddy's responsibility. To pay for them a place to live, provide for them. I can remember my youngins, two, three, four, even five years old, running around. It never crossed their minds. Who's going to pay for this American Eagle stuff I'm wearing? Poor old daddy in Walmart, but mama takes us to American Eagle. Never crossed their minds. Guess why? Daddy. What does that say right there? The greatest leader king that ever lived as a king in the middle of his kingdom said this. That's over my head. I'm going to give it to God and go to sleep. And then he invites, what does he advise me and you to do? Trust in the Lord forevermore. Let him have the thing. This is a wonderful, oh, this is one of the most liberating things in all the world. All right, I'm fixing to throw out a litmus here. You ready? I hope you are. Here we go. You ever heard of stress? Anxiety and worry. Stress is evidence. It's the proof that there's a place in my life where I've not made him Lord over that area yet. Where I'm letting stress dominate me, that's an area where I've said, dear Jesus, I don't need your help here. I can handle this. Man, sometimes I bop my head and say "Biggers, All right, but you know what? Let's change. As my buddy Evie used to sing, just give them all, give them all to Jesus. All right, number number one, you gotta believe Jesus tells the truth. Number two, you need to accept the fact you're not in charge of this world. He is, let him run it. You just do what he tells you to do. And number three, you say, well, why don't he fix me? I'm fixing to answer that. A faith God will never wrestle your problems out of your hand. He's not going to take them away from you. You have to hand them to him in prayer. He won't save you if you don't want him to. You got to ask him to. And he will not handle your burdens and your problems and your mess. He won't take them away from you. You've got to hand them to him. That's called faith. And he operates like that. Let's, uh, let's, let's go back to Philippians 4. I want to make sure you get this. Philippians chapter 4. Here's what you do when you smell that stuff knocking at your door. I was talking with a young lady not gone. But she was having what's called panic attacks. Well, the panic attack is just stress on steroids. It's just souped-up stress, pressure, anxiety, and worry. They're horrible. It's horrible. I wouldn't put that on... Well, I would put it on the devil. I wouldn't put that on no human being. It's awful to have to live like that. And they say, well, they can't help it. Oh, I I know that. I know that. Let me tell you something. Jesus is bigger and greater than any problem on this planet. That includes panic attacks, anything. All that comes under the heading of pressure and stress. And uh, she said, pray for me. I said, sweetheart, you can get me and everybody you want to pray for you. It ain't going to help until you do what the man says. It was that there's always a way to get his help. We've got to find out the way. And sometimes the way is not for me to pray for you. Here it is in Philippians chapter 4 when he said this. Verse 6, be anxious, worried, upset, bothered about nothing. But in everything, tell me how big the word everything is. Just talking about your job, family relationships, physical health, everything. He is the the God of everything. My child was five, six, seven years old and I saw him sitting and crying and came up and said, sweetheart, what's wrong? And they'd say, well, you don't care about this part of my life. What kind of daddy would I be? He cares about everything. That's why I said everything. In everything. By prayer. And supplication, if you leave this out, it won't work, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help you. Anytime I sense stress, you know, and I, I have a lot of could-be-stressful situations. My line of work tends to itself toward stress. U.S. News & World Report years ago said the most stressful job in America is university president. Number two is a mega church pastor. Might try that university thing for a while myself. I'd look good in a dress. But the deal is... When I say, If I sense that stuff creeping up on me, well, i do. Right then, you don't go, oh, no. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. i go got to go, go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, and I say, now, dear Lord Jesus, this stuff's creeping up on me again, and i got, I got this situation, and it could be a problem, and I can, I can start to smell it coming. And so I just want to, now, listen to me, listen to me. Wrong way to pray. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Where's the thanksgiving? No, 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 no. Don't tell him how awful it is. He's here. You got to hand it to him. Father, I want to pray. I I sense it. I can't handle this. This is over my head. We both agree I'm not that smart. And in the name of Jesus right now, I take this thing with my job, whatever. I hand it to you. A lot of times I'll just take my hand and just do like that right there. And I want to thank you and praise you and bless you that it's yours now. And I don't have a problem. I don't care whether I feel it or not. You don't have to feel faith to live it. There it is. All right. Let me show you the picture here. How many of you remember tag team championship wrestling? A lot of you still watch that mess. Championship wrestling. It's gotten just demonic now. It's funny years ago. The championship wrestling, I loved it years ago because you had the Bolo brothers and, the, you know, the, all them boys was together. Well, here's what the deal was. You had two guys on this corner and two guys on this corner. And to ch- you could change at any time. You could, your partner could come in at any time. But what did you have to do to change partners? That's why it's called tag team. You had, to, you had to tag it. He'd stick his hand out. You had to tag it before he'd get in there and take over for you. Well, Johnny Weaver, he'd be in there, and somebody just beating a pudding out of him. I mean, wearing his head out the mass bolo, hammering him between the ears, just tearing him up. And he's just all working, he's, he's—he's trying to reach his partner over, uh, George over, doing like that. He—he he just trying to re- couldn't get to him, and his partner dragged him back. And but you know what? You cannot come in that ring help him till he tags you, because you play by the rules and that stuff. Uh huh. And But once in a while, a mask bolo would look the other way and Johnny would him, he'd tag him. George would fly over that ring and he'd hammer that sucker's head. He'd wear him out. But you have to tag him first. That came straight out of the Bible. <coughs> came straight out of Philippians 4. He wants to help you. But if you're going to stay in there and wrestle and get whooped yourself, there ain't nothing you can do until you tag him. In prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, tag the great I am and let him wear that sucker's head out. Turn it, listen, you've got to do it. You've got to pray that prayer and turn it loose. I, Philippians 4 is great. I'm going to give you one more verse. I want you, you got to memorize this and turn me to 1 Peter chapter 5. How many times has the precious Holy Spirit just zonked me in the head with this one right here? That, that, I'm sorry. He's brought this to my memory. 1 Peter chapter 5. This may be one of the greatest promises your father ever made you. Dear ones, if you can't trust Philippians 4 to do what he said he'd do. You can't trust John 3.16 to get you into heaven. He'll do everything he said in this book. And this is another one of those great ones. And you need to memorize this. and You, you need to mark this and memorize it. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says this. Casting all your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. Short little verse that will alter your life. I love the amplified version. Casting all your concerns, worries, anxieties, and problems on him. Because he cares deeply for you and watches over you affectionately. Boy, well, isn't that good right there? That verse tells me right there. I don't have, if I cast my cares on him, do I have any cares? Guess why? He got them now. And how many, I can cast all my cares on him. The Bible teaches because he cares for me. Now, listen to me. You know when it comes real easy to just turn your children, your future, your health problems. You know when it becomes real easy to turn everything over to him and just say, they're yours. And you go. You know what comes easy? When you let him have give you a revelation of how much he cares for you. The deeper your revelation of his love for you, the easier it is for you to say, I'm going to bed. It's yours. You you can't. I'm not going to put my child in the car with somebody I don't know. But I put my child in the car with my earthly father any day. My earthly father laid down his own life to take care of my children. It You've got to know the love of God before you can trust him with your life. Matter of fact, let's look at the test for that. I will show you one more. Look at, turn a little bit to the right. First John chapter five, a few pages to the right. But I think I'm convinced now that I'm old and been doing this for years. The greatest need of your life is to know how much and how deeply God loves you, and I mean get a heart revelation by the Holy Spirit of it. Matter of fact, my blood brother Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter four. My prayer for you is that you would understand the depth and width and height and length of the love of God. I want, listen, people that know me well would trust me with their lives because they know I care about them. And you can't, that don't come overnight. You got to work at it some. But well, watch this in 1 John chapter 5. The Bible says in 1 John 5 about verse uh, <clears throat> 16, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Now listen to me. There's not a person in this room that hadn't heard that God loves them. Even a sinner will tell you that. But there's a big difference in knowing how deeply by experience He loves you and in putting this down in your heart. He has for us. God is love. Love Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love, not just His love, but perfect love, perfected love, Casts out fear because fear has torment. Isn't that a good word? Isn't that what worry does? Just torments your mind and your heart. You can't sleep. There's a reason that two verses are right there together. Alright, let me throw in one one more here. Got to believe Jesus tells truth. You got to decide I ain't in charge of nothing on this earth. Jesus runs the earth. He's Lord. I'm his helper. If he needs me, he'll call me. You got to tag him in when trouble's coming. Don't stay out there in the ring and get turned into a pumpkin pie. Tag him in. Pray. Pray him in. And then number four, got to start treating worry like it's a cheap hooker with AIDS and coronavirus trying to come on to you. (laughs) If a cheap hooker that you knew had AIDS and coronavirus saddled up to you and said, would you like to spend some quality time together? How would you respond to that? Even if you ain't holy enough to stay away from the hook and surely you'd run from the aid. Talk to me. You say, if a two-bit hooker come up to me like that, I'd run like my britches was on tire fire five miles from a water hole. Start treating worry the same way. Don't coddle that sucker, it'll kill you. A lot of times I'll just be walking through the room something i will going, I'll just, I'll just stop and say that looks like worry to me. What the hell are you doing in here? <laughs> Why do you think the Bible says resist the yeah. devil? I've never resisted the devil one time in my life because I've never seen him. Guess what we resist? His stuff. Which is the fear Son, I'm telling you, fear is hell's currency. It's what ruins our lives. And you got to You can push back. again. You can just tell worry to hit the road, Jack. Oh my goodness. Okay. Let me let me quit by. I got time to say something else. Let me quit here. We have yet to understand that Jesus meant it when He said, "I've come that you might have abundant life." The, this thing about we'll just suffer till we get to heaven. We will have trouble till we get to heaven, but you ain't supposed to be beat up and sucking eggs. you're supposed to delight yourself in the Lord and have an abundant life. And uh, all right, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe Jesus tells the truth? Oh we've done that. How many of you believe that I'm supposed to have abundant life right now? We don't need to look it up, do we? I don't, if you don't believe me, we'll look it up. All right, here's my question: What is abundant life? How do you define it? You said Man, if I had a job paid half a million a year, that'd be abundant life. You're, you lost as a ball in high weeds. What well, good's all that money if you're stressed out, worried, and can't find a friend. See, if I had that great big house, you'd be PO'd because you got to vacuum it all the time after you got it. PO stands for put out. We don't even know what makes for an abundant life. It's not the stuff. It's not the trophies. It's not the money. You know what an abundant life is? Jesus said this kingdom of God. It's not food and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You got that right there? You got the best life going on this planet. I don't care if you live in a pup tent, pump a bicycle everywhere you go and eat pork and beans every meal. If you got the peace and the joy and the life of Jesus, you got a great life going. But I don't care if you live in a mansion and eat prime rib. If you got to be medicated to crawl out the sack, something's wrong with this picture, doc. You don't need Jack, you need Jesus. I'm not fussing at folks who use Jack. Blessed dear hearts, if I live what they live with, I'd drink him too. All right, we're going to make this so simple that y'all can understand. I want to show you one more scripture. What if you could sit down? I maybe know where wisdom comes from. Comes, comes from two places, the Lord and gray hair. Sorry, young folks. I don't care if you're a wizard. My king said, go find the gray hair and ask him what to do. But wisdom comes from the Lord. He opens his mouth and gives wisdom. What if you could sit down, and God said he was, what if you could sit down with the wisest man that ever lived? When he was an old man and he's looking back across his life, telling you everything he learned. Would that be valuable or what? It's called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is the book where the world's wisest man and God said he was it's where the world's wisest man at the end of his life sat down and reflected on his life and everything he learned and dare say there's never been a man learned more than he has and he wrote these wonderful reflections on what life is all about in a book called Ecclesiastes ah, it is a masterpiece can I just take you and show you what he says is great life and by the way he said I did it all I built mansions I hired singers. I created the instruments that they played. I built, I had vineyards. I, he said, I didn't withhold anything from myself. And he died an old fool. But he did write Ecclesiastes that says, you don't know what a great life is. Here's what it is. Look with me for right before we leave in the book of Ecclesiastes. You got Psalm, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. I I enjoy this book so much. Sometimes I'll read Ecclesiastes I'll set it down, get up, and just run around in circles and set back down and pick it up again. There's such truth in this book. Was, if you could talk to the wisest man that ever lived when he's old, you know you'd learn some things. And here are the great simple truths of life. Let me show you what he says about a, an abundant, wonderful life. Alright, let's just look at a few verses through here. It's just a small book. Second Ecclesiastes 2.24 says this. Now listen to me before we read it. This is not only the wisest man that ever lived according to God. God gave him the wisdom. The Bible is God talking to you. So let's hear it from both folks. Uh, chapter two, verse 24. Nothing, guess what the word nothing means. Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was good from the hand of God. You tell me what's the best thing I can do and God gave it to me. Eat and drink and enjoy my life. Enjoy my labor. It goes on to say this Who can eat and drink or have fun or enjoyment more than I? God gives wisdom and knowledge and what? Joy to a man who's good in his sight. Look with me in chapter 3, verse 10. This is cute. I've seen the God-given task which the sons of men are to be occupied. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He put eternity in our hearts. Verse 12. I know, this is, this is that old man. Nothing is better for them than to rejoice and do good in their lives. Every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. It is the gift of God. What's the greatest life you can have? Get up, eat your breakfast, enjoy your life and enjoy what God gave you. There's nothing better. This is the guy who had it all. He said, you know what the best part of life is? Is to enjoy what God gives you. How many of you hear the simple life in here somewhere? Eat, drink, enjoy your life. A great uh, prophet wrote a hymn years ago, Ricky Skaggs. Simple life is the life for me a steak and knife and a glass of tea and the Lord up above so who knows I'm trying to live a simple life in a crazy time. A little, 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 let me show you one more. You know what one more means, don't you? Let me show you one more here. Look in uh, chapter 5 verse 18. See if you see a theme here. Here's what I've seen. Here's what the wisest man that ever lived saw. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink. Man drinks a lot, doesn't he? And enjoy the good of all his labor in which toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him. It is his heritage. What's my destiny and heritage? To enjoy my life and eat my dinner and enjoy it. Verse 19, as to every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat it and receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. What a tremendous gift. One more, more. 815, read chapter eight, verse 15 with me. So I commended enjoyment because a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat and drink and be merry This will remain with him in his labor all the days of his life, which God gives him under the sun. Showing up one more. Chapter nine, verse seven. Look at this. Go eat your bread with what? Joy. Joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. God's already accepted you because of the cross. Let your garments be white. Let your head lack no oil. Put that perfume on there. Verse 9, live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your short life which He's given you under the sun. All the days of your short life. That is your portion in life and the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it big time. That's the world's smartest man that ever lived. And as an old man, he condensed all of life. What did he say? He said, God has blessed you. Now go enjoy it. Enjoy your job Enjoy the wife he gave you. Enjoy the people he put in your life. Enjoy them chicken sandwiches. Enjoy that cheap wine you buy down there at the grocery store on a credit card. Enjoy your life, son. This is the world's wisest man. You say, I never heard such in my life. Did we read that out of the Bible or I get it out of the Reader's Digest? What does he keep saying there? This is the gift of God to you. This is your heritage. This is what God wants for you. Enjoy your life, dude. What's the problem today in 2021? As a thief sucking all the joy out of life through anxiety, stress, worry, I'm going to tell you what I think happened. I think Satan saw it. I think Satan knows the Bible, and I think Satan hates God's people, and I think he wanted to steal what God gave us, and he wanted to rip us up. So you know what he did? Rip us off. You know what he did? He went into his foundry. I may even know Satan has a foundry. It's in Isaiah chapter 54. Talks about him blowing the coals in the fire in his foundry to bring forth an instrument for his work. And he went in his little foundry and that horny headed thing, he heated that thing up and he began to hammer at his little forge there. And some little demon said, why are you that bastard? He's over hammering. He said, I can't stand to see them people enjoying the life God died to give them. I'm gonna make me something, gonna steal it from them. And he's just hammering and hammering and hammering. And finally, he gets done. He holds it up. He says, look here, boys. Oh, master. (laughs) He said, look here, boys. Guess what he pulled out of that fire? Not cocaine. That'll do it. Worry. Anxiety. Stress. He said, this will rob everything God died to give them from them. Here, boys. Go out there and pass it out freely. And lo and behold. Let me finish that chapter. It talks about his forgery enough instrument in there. <clears throat> he brings forth an instrument for his work. And then he said, what's the last verse? No weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. Amen. Guess what the weapons are? Stress, worry, fear, anxiety, all that junk. <clears throat> you need to say this to him. Not today, evil one. Jesus died to set me free and I'm going to live free and I'm going to live joyfully with the wife of my youth. I don't care how old we get. She's upset because having that hair is turning gray. I'm thinking about writing her song. <laughs> Honey, I don't care. I ain't in love with your hair. And if it all falls out, I'll love you anyway. How about that? That'd make a good hymn. I'm going to live joyfully with the wife of my youth. I'm going to eat my turkey sausage because I'm old turkey sausage and eggs. And I'm going to enjoy my life till the day I see Jesus. And then it's going to get even better. And ain't nobody taking away what God gave me. Make up your mind you ain't surrendering one of the greatest things He ever gave you, which is the peace of Jesus. Amen or oh me uh-huh. Lord Jesus, I praise you and think you. You're so wonderful. You are so good. Not only did you die on a cross to give us eternal life, you suffered to give us abundant life. And this mess we're living in down here, you told us in the world you will have tribulation. I heard you say it. But you also said, in me you will have peace. Let not your heart be troubled, don't let it be afraid. I want to praise you and thank you. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. And I just want to praise you and thank you so much that, man, as that old fellow sang, Me and God, me and God, we tag teaming through this thing. Pardon me if I need to tag you in on a regular basis. Thank you that you are there for me to pray and call on and say, this is all yours, Lord Jesus. I give you the praise and glory and honor because of your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.